we're doing a few startup stories this week. And first up is the story of Mailgun, which is an API I've used to send email. At, at that point, I knew like I want to build software that other engineers use because they okay. will they're, because they're demanding, because they will force me to make good products. And also because I understand them, because I am them. So I had like, this really strong conviction that I want to build tools for engineers. I don't want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to do it my entire life. Like, I don't think it will ever get boring. And it was challenging for me to find an interesting job. So I had a choice, like, go to Microsoft because they had developer tools division uh, over there or do something else. And I decided I'm going to try to start my own company. And the, the, it, it's interesting how it happened. I went to startup school in Stanford. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was year 2009 or eight. Anyway, Jeff Bezos was there. So this is what, that was uh, the time when AWS was brand new. And okay. they didn't even call it AWS. I think it was just EC2 and S3. Nothing else existed. So he was already kind of famous billionaire. And, uh, and he had these bodyguards following him everywhere. But he wasn't <laughs> cool. Like developers mm-hmm. were not impressed. Right. And he had this presentation with he, where he was trying to convince the audience that the cloud computing is the future and you should all run applications on on my cloud. But people are skeptical, uh, skeptical and cynical. Mm-hmm. So, And it's actually on YouTube. You could probably find it. Like there's the moment when you could see when Milgan was formed. Someone, like, he had Q&A with engineers at the end and they were asking him questions about AWS. You know how engineers get sometimes? They ask you a question not to get an answer. They ask right. you a question to kind of insult you and show how smart they are. <laughs> yes, it was, yes, I do know this. Go it on. was actually kind of funny. So and one of them asked, like, hey, Jeff, how come your email completely, like, I cannot do any email traffic in or out of your cloud. So it means completely useless because every web application needs a sign up flow or mm-hmm. I forgot your password thing. And Bezos got confused on stage. And I think he kind of deflected that question to his VP engineering. There was like some other character kind of briefly showed up. And I was listening to it and it was just occurring to me. So effectively, we're all agreeing that this cloud thingy, it's a good idea, um, but it's broken simply because it's early. So we need to solve a bunch of issues. And this email, it's such an obvious one, particularly uh, because Twilio was just launched. Mm-hmm. The relatively... Anyway, so I've heard of Twilio around the same time. And and I just thought, oh, I have the side project I'm working on. It's this email technology because I wanted to re-implement POP3, IMAP, SMTP, all of these protocols. I wanted to have like fresh versions of those. And it was just a temporary passion of mine at the time. And that's how Mailgun happened. I figured I already wrote all the code. I just need to put API in front of it. And uh, there are plenty of people in this very room that are telling Bezos that that's what they, what they want. So that was my research. It was <laughs> it was an accident, and that's how Mailgun happened. I like it. No, you, you, it's even better. You know, Jeff Bezos gave you your first idea, right? That's you know, that's the way to think it of it. It was I mean... the anonymous engineer in the audience. Mm-hmm. Bezos simply, I think, he was convincing enough to make everyone believe that cloud is going to happen. And look, it's an obvious thing. Like anyone who manually ever lifted a like for you server and managed to hold it at like six feet high elevation and stick it into the rails accurately so it will go into the rack without cutting their fingers <laughs> all these people knew instantly that cloud is going to be big <laughs> because you don't want to do that job ever again 
Yes, I think we can all say you only have to rack and stack servers maybe once or twice to say to yourself, I never want to do this again, ever. Yeah, so, I have I a mean, few scars on my fingers. I was not I mean, good at racking servers, so well, I was just like, sign me up. Yep. Yeah, just the way you said it and cut yourself, because I think <laughs> if you haven't cut yourself on so a rack. Sharp? I never understood. It's almost like on purpose. Like, like it does. If Apple ever designed the server, I would like there's so much room for improvement. I, w- I would agree with that. Like, why, why are you almost uh, risk death to install servers? I'll, I'll never quite understand. So they even call them blades, right? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with that? Like, why are you calling something a blade if you know that like there are going to be people whose full time right. job will be to sticking them into these racks? No, I love it. It's like, what are we selling here? Razors? No, we're selling computers. Stop <laughs> doing. Stop yeah. calling them blades. I like it. Um, well, I always thought like Mailgun, uh, just like, I don't know. I've just, I've always just loved this name. I just think that name is just, so kudos to you. I assume you came up with it, but it's like, it's super simple. But like, when you see it, like, you're like, yeah, I do need that. Like, you just kind of know, like instinctually, like, oh, I do need this oh, thing that sends mail wherever I want it. it. Yeah. it's. Th- thank you for reminding me. So when I was learning English, when you uh, listening to a language that you don't know, like the words, this, they kind of sound funny. And sometimes they sound cool for no reason. They just, you just you hear a sound and say, oh, that's kind of interesting, but you have no idea what it means. And at the time when I was learning English, I learned I heard the word nail gun. Oh, okay, yeah. And I thought uh-huh. that's a cool word. I'm gonna look it up. Like, oh, that's what it means. It's a tool. And then I thought this is so interesting. Not only it's a tool, and I love tools because I'm an engineer, but also it sounds really cool. And I made a decision that I will have a software project that I'm going to call nail gun. I don't even know what it will do. I'm just going to keep that name around. And when I uh, decided that I want to go into this email business, then Mailgun was just uh, instantly uh, picked simply because I had the name on the shelf. <laughs> Listen, that's great. It's like a song. Sometimes you're just like, I got a great, I got a great song, I got great lyrics, I got a great name. I've just got to find the right thing. So Mailgun was destined happened, to happen yep. for you, I think. Yep, yep. Uh, well, I want to like read this. This is right off your LinkedIn. And I just, I just like, I just thought like some people's LinkedIn is kind of boring, but like, I just thought yours is very, was perfect. This is what you say about like co-founding uh, uh, Mailgun. You said a uh, quote, wasted half a year trying to get NYC investors excited about email uh, servers in the cloud, moved, moved the company to San Francisco and raised uh, whatever, 1.2 million um pretty soon so i just think within this statement is like three things i love it's sort of uh there's sort of some frustration right and then there's uh some like execution and there's some wisdom right like all like (laughs) all tied inside of that right so so i just want to know oh like what was going on in new york city when you tried to explain like mailgun to investors in new york they're just like get out They, they just didn't get it like what happened there Oh, it's, it's almost basically the same thing with Emacs, right? So if you fail something, you instantly start disliking it. So it was right? totally my fault. Uh, I, I have this deep admiration for Jeff uh, Lawson, the CEO of Twilio, because if you go back in time, just like when Bezos was showing uh, EC2 or S3, it mm-hmm. was a the new category. It was something that hadn't really existed before. So you have to educate people. You have to get them excited. And uh, I was underestimating the importance of being a good educator. And the reason I'm talking about this is because when um, Jeff was pitching Twilio to investors, if you think about it, there was not a company before that that said that my product is an API. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. In fact, numerous investors, when they uh, heard my mailgun pitch, they would say, we don't get it. Usually you first launch a product. And then you add API on top. 
and you telling me that the product itself is an API, it makes no sense. And it was infuriating to me. Like, why doesn't it make sense? Like any sense? I think I explained it clearly. The developers <laughs> will just use an API and I will deliver their emails and they will give me money. What, what's so complicated? <laughs> yeah, why don't you uh, get this? But huh? Jeff Crank, so the, he figured out how to explain to investors what this means. And that's really what made Twilio so huge because it was the first successful API company. Um, and that's really what was my frustration is that I was just simply not good enough of an educator. Uh, but when you moved to San Francisco at the time, people did need to be as educated. They simply needed to be excited. And that, and also Twilio also helped. So when I got into Y Combinator, I, I think I said like one sentence that uh, that characterized Mailgun is like, it's just like Twilio, but for email. And for Bay Area investors, that is often enough. And for that, I'm grateful. So Bay Area at the time, maybe it's different now. It was just a fantastic place to be first-time entrepreneur because they forgive you for not being a perfect educator. No, but they rely good. on you getting better over time. So don't... No, that's true. Well, yeah. you know, it's interesting as I was trying to think back on it is, uh, you know, Twilio, right? I always think it's claim to fame was sending SMS messages, right? That was the thing. Like, And that was, like sending email was maybe hard, but like sending SMS messages seemed like just voodoo. Like it just seemed it like, like it was, magic. Yeah, I was like the fact that they could do it. And then, yeah, then I see your point, like coming back, like once they've established that, you're like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be great to also send email that way? I can see why that sort of paved. Uh, and then it's even funny as you were talking there, because I think Twi- Twilio didn't they buy SendGrid? So it's like everything comes like full circle, right? Because I think SendGrid is big in the email stuff. Well, you mentioned Y Combinator. Can't I got to you know at least ask about that? What was what was the application uh, experience like? What was it, what was it like being? Because you're still, I mean, it's fairly new at that point, right? I mean, still, it seems more early. So was it a, a different experience than it is now? You see. Every time you meet someone who's been through Y Combinator throughout mm-hmm. the years, it doesn't matter when. It could be 2011, could be 2015, could be 2019. You're basically hearing the same thing that people say, oh, YC is not the same anymore. Uh-huh. Everybody was, oh, it used to be better. Right. Uh, <laughs> so believe it or not, that's what I was told in 2011, that, oh, YC was better. Even though back oh. then, Y Combinator <laughs> okay. was 42 companies in, in our batch. Look, it was awesome. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, YC was exactly what I needed at that time. Uh, it's a, it's almost like getting this adrenaline shot uh, that kind of quickly transforms you from not only an engineer, but also it, it gives you all these kind of additional skills that you need to get the company off the ground very quickly. So at the time, it felt like Y Combinator, this is where engineers go to transform themselves into founders. And it was indeed the case. So, so yeah, it sounds like it, you know, like, like many people, a great experience there. And so that led to, so, so Mailgun ultimately acquired by Rackspace. Like what happened there? How, how did the acquisition go down? What was that like? So at Mailgun in the early days, we I think maybe it keeps it, it helps to keep in mind that at the time when Mailgun was started, uh, there was very little investments uh, happening because there was financial crisis going on. Remember, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So there was this famous memo. I think Sequoia maybe put it out about we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, like one of uh, major uh, publications came out with this uh, cover that said. If I remember correctly, I think it said, like, is capitalism over, question mark? <laughs> so that was not the greatest time to raise money. So it wasn't just a... So for that reason, we were extremely uh, 
kind of scrappy with money. We would never spend any money. We were treating every problem like we were fixing every problem with brute forcing. Basically, crazy hours, no weekends, um, no vacations. So, and when we started to see kind of early signs of success, early signs of traction and growth, the acquirers showed up. And when acquirers showed up and you weak, um, this is when you sell simply because you're weak. And we gotten weak because we were just working too hard. So that was uh, probably what happened with Mailgun. So I will say, yeah, we got acquired too early and Mailgun later became like, the kind of spun off out of Rackspace. We became an independent company, much, much bigger, much, much more successful. Uh, congrats to the team that made it happen. But unfortunately, I wasn't uh, around for for a ride. So that's really kind of how the acquisition happened. And the reason we went with Rackspace was um, I was starting to get worried a little bit about what happens if AWS becomes dominant, like the monopoly, like everyone runs on AWS. They, and it was so, it felt like that's where the world is going because they had amazing product. They had amazing product. They were executing well. Um, there was, and I didn't want Microsoft 2.0 to kind of happen because in my previous career, like at National Instruments and a little bit after. It was all Windows and it was kind of getting uh, stagnating. And it was appealing that Rackspace was this kind of challenger. Like we are open source cloud. That was their message, that we want our cloud to be more open. We want it to be um, not just code is available, but you can run your own kind of Rackspace cloud in your own data center. So that's kind of why we picked Rackspace. And I do think um, that, Ultimately, it was a good choice because it exposed us to uh, all kinds of problems that exist in cloud computing. Like working at a second biggest, at the time, second biggest cloud provider, uh, having access to thousands and thousands of customers and having uh, the seeing scalability challenges at Rackspace scale definitely allowed us to become better engineers, better entrepreneurs. And all of that kind of led to uh, creation of Teleport uh, a few years later. So the timeline is not obvious in the conversation, and it's kind of interesting. They were part of the 2011 winter Y Combinator batch, which is the start of the year, and then they were sold to Rackspace in August of 2012. Um, so this is very early and very, very quick uh, in terms of the turnaround as a company. But what's, I guess, more interesting is that the acquirers, Rackspace and whoever ran it, um, managed to do a pretty good job of running it because right now, uh, in 2021, Mailgun just got acquired for $1.9 billion uh, with Cinch. So it's been changed hands a couple times, but it's just really interesting how this all played out. 